Hey, welcome everybody to Team Blockchain's Digital Bytes podcast. Every week, like clockwork, we go over that newsletter, Johnny Fry and myself, and then we also bring on a, a special guest afterwards on part two. She's fun. She has a fun name, I think, but, you know, it's easy to make me laugh. And then uh, we'll go on through everything with the newsletter. Johnny, I'm, uh, I think you and I have a difference as to which one is the best one in this newsletter, but let's, let's uh, discuss it. I need, I need, like, how to identify a winning crypto. You how to identify a winning crypto. That's, that's mine. <laughs> James, good to be back on the air. Uh, as you say, another, another, another week. Um, another edition of the Digital Byte Show um, here on Cyber.fm. Um, and um, before we get going, um, I've just seen some, some news yesterday. Uh, oh, by the way, thanks for my birthday card or birthday wishes. You forgot that again. That I was all, you know, it was the Queen. I was all worried. And then she didn't make that second appearance. And I, th- I know. Well, she, I, I think she was making tea and toast for Meghan and Harry. I think that's what was going on. All I read was that she didn't want to do the second one. And I said, look, Johnny got me all hyped up over this. And I got nothing. Uh, did, did you see the concert? The concert was pretty cool. No, no, it, I, it ruined me. She said no. I was like, that's it, I'm out. <laughs> the presidents of the U.S., regardless of who they are, they at least stick to their, their propaganda. She could yeah, never they, do that. But they only have a sort of eight-year term if they're lucky. That, the old Lizzie, she's done 70 years, which is pretty impressive, really. I, I am fighting for her to, uh, to, to beat Louis the Fourteenth. Yeah, I think I, so. I want to see that happen. Do two more years and she takes over Louis the Fourteenth. But he was the, he was the son king, the boy king. Um, he came onto the crown, actually, when he was only age seven. Um, but nevertheless, very impressive. He reigned for 72 years, we found out last week. But um, Imagine a seven-year-old telling you what to do. Uh, well, you know, you'd have been really stuffed because you'd have definitely been on the old guillotine chip chop. I'd be somewhere with CZ on some weird island trying to oper- operate a company. Absolutely. But we're not going to talk about CZ today. That's, no, that's we don't like CZ. A... I don't like CZ. That's your New York, Jersey, Canadian. My... <laughs> He's a Canadian from New Jersey. Oh, Canadian from New Jersey. We'll, well, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about him one day. We'll come back to him another day. We but, have a uh, special friendship. Yeah, special. Well, I, not so much. It's lots of special, but not much friendship. Hey, he's my first LinkedIn connection. It's <laughs> I can make it anything I want to be. He won't block yeah, me. So, hey. <laughs> okay. So, so this week we, we've done a, a selection of articles. Um Coming up after the show, we've got Helen Disney. Nothing to do with Walt Disney, um, but she is talking about Venus and Mars and um, saying, you know, if banks are from Mars and cryptocurrency and blockchain are from Venus, but talking about how traditional finance um, and decentralized sort of DeFi finance, how we're beginning to see a convergence um, between, if you like, the old ways of doing things and and the new digitized, tokenized way um, in various different ways. And, And that kind of leads me, um, just very quickly caught my eye um, a, a, an article that came out yesterday from PayPal and PayPal announcing that they're now, um, you know, looking to roll out and accept the ability or offer the ability to transfer different cryptocurrencies. So, so you can transfer crypto into PayPal from an external wallet or exchange. Um, and this is, I think this is actually quite significant because PayPal, you know, they've got 300 million customers turnover, 
um, about 24 billion, made 4 billion last year in profit. So this isn't a small little you know, company. Um, originally, one of the founders, or certainly in the early days, was um, Mr. Musk, Elon Musk, famous from Tesla and um, SpaceX and the like. Um, and PayPal have really been arguably one of the few very successful and now very profitable fintech companies. And they've been involved in sort of digital asset space and crypto for a while, but now making this, um, the sending and receiving of crypto, um, you know, universe available for their, for their users. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see what some of the other fintech payment platforms, I'm sure they'll be wanting to do catch up now. And um, we'll see a number of announcements come out from different places, James. I mean, I would argue that at this point, if PayPal is accepting crypto in or out, Right, as because it because for a while it was locked in there, yeah. And and I know and and yeah, I'm a big fan of PayPal. PayPal is using Paxos, I think, to back their crypto. Yep. But now that it's going to come in and out, I mean, in theory, can I just buy anything I want on eBay with crypto? No reason why not. That's going to change the entire land. This should be an article. That's going to change the entire landscape for taxes. Go think on. about it. Did I lose you? Yeah, no, no. I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm I blew your it. mind that badly, right? Well, no, I'm just, I'm just thinking. If you go on eBay never... and you buy a watch, do you have to pay short-term capital gains on that watch? And no, because a watch is a wasting asset, I think you'll find. But you've sold your crypto. Yeah. That's the well, same. no, what I was thinking of, James, is you go off on holiday, like, as you know, I'm coming over to the States, you know, in, in, in the fall, in se- August, September time. If I go and buy, um, let's call it you know, a thousand, a thousand pounds worth of dollars. And then I go and um, let's say I let's say I, I don't spend the physical dollars because um, I put everything on my credit card. And then just for argument's sake, let's say the dollar has gone up in value by 10 percent. Keep the math really simple. I've just made a, a thousand dollars at 10 percent so i've made a a hundred dollars now at the moment i don't have to declare that as i've made a profit on my money on in my you know the cash that i'm holding but if in the same scenario i say look i'm going to america i want to make sure i've, I've got some easy money available i'm going to put a thousand dollars worth of bitcoin or litecoin or dogecoin or whatever coin it may well be and I keep those, and in six months' time, I haven't sold them, haven't used them because I use my credit card, let's say. Then potentially, I'm going to have to pay capital gains tax because those cryptos have gone up in value. Because I'll say, oh, no, you're an investor, and, and gains in crypto are subject to capital gains tax. So you're right. Makes it a lot more complicated. Yeah, it, it could change the world. Well, change the, the landscape for sure. Maybe that, that's going to have to be an article. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, 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 let's come back to that. Let's come back to that because actually this week we, we've got a, we've got a, 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 a real selection of different articles. Um, some of these have come as sort of requests from different listeners and, and readers. Um, and for those of you who haven't listened to the Digital Bike Show before, we, James and I do this every week. We get a guest come in who's written an article. As I said, we've got Helen Disney coming up after the break, um, talking about traditional finance and and tokenization and, and DeFi and how the two worlds are beginning to sort of merge. Um, but we're really looking at how, where and why blockchain technology and digital assets are being used in different jurisdictions and different industries. Um, this week, we're looking at the use of blockchain in agriculture, um, how NFTs can be used to raise capital 
And as we said at the top of the show, um, how to identify a winning crypto. So you want you want to go through the winning crypto? You want to try and make a buck or two on your PayPal account? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I want to be able to buy toys. Buy toys. <laughs> if I picked a winning crypto, I can use PayPal to buy win- buy toys. You, you can. You can. You could upgrade your electric car even. Upgrade it, yeah. Well, I, I suppose really what we're saying is that, um, well, we went back in time looked just, just last November. So, um, you know, in November 21, there were 14,000 cryptocurrencies, according to CoinMarketCap. Oh, my God. Um, and, you know, there, there's now over 18,000 of them. So they, these things are sort of breeding like rabbits. There's more and more of them being created all the time. But but I have a bit of a, uh, well, I, I have a, I have some, a belief, I suppose, or, or a, a, a prediction, and that is, what we're going to see, we're going to end up seeing more funds than we will have cryptocurrencies, um, you know, in the next five to seven years. And the reason I believe that is that um, we've seen a lot of people get involved in um, cryptocurrencies. Um, I know Helen talks um, later on after the break. She, she, she was sharing some statistics with me saying something like 12 percent of all Americans have had exposure to crypto. Um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had. Um, we were looking at the ownership of cryptocurrencies in, in places like uh, Holland and um, here in the UK. And it, it's running at sort of 20 to 30 percent of people claim that they've had some exposure to cryptocurrencies. I suspect most people's exposure to cryptocurrencies. And that's why we were asked to write this article, how to identify winning one. Most people have been exposed to cryptos and lost money. So what we're what we're trying to do is actually say okay so what are some of the things you need to do in order to try and identify a good cryptocurrency um and the reason i think that we're going to see more funds than actual cryptocurrencies is over time people will want to be exposed to this as an asset but they'll realize that you know an asset class that trades 24 hours a day seven days a week um it's all very well when bitcoin goes up in value then all the other cryptos just merrily follow on behind but i think longer term you need to have your money professionally managed um, with a combination of some very bright managers, but also, you know, using some of your old skills, James, you know, when you were doing sort of, you know, putting together algorithms for sort of, you know, algorithmic trading, because if these things are trading 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's impossible for a human to always be there monitoring what's going on, what's happening. So I think that's something maybe back of your mind, instead of identifying a winner cryptocurrency, Maybe you want to identify a, a winning fund. Um, and, and we'll have more on that next week. We've, we've got a, a crypto fund manager coming on the, um, coming on the show um, and written an interesting article about um, managing sort of crypto assets and, and what may be happening with mutual funds, as an example. But really what we believe is, you know, and again, we've, we've mentioned this before, James, whereby probably one of the best ways to get exposure to the cryptocurrency market is regular savings. And everyone is well aware of how poorly Bitcoin has performed over the last year. But, but nevertheless, if you go back and just put $30 away a month, so that's a dollar a day, you know, so that's, you know, not even half a cup of coffee probably. And if you just did that every month for the last three years and you put your money um, into say the U S stock market, well, you know, you'd have saved a thousand dollars, and great, it, it's it's gone up sixteen percent. You know, your thousand and eight dollars is worth twelve hundred and sixty-two dollars, and I'm assuming 
you know, no, no costs and charges here. Put that $1,080 into gold, you'd have made 4%. Put into Bitcoin, you'd have actually seen your $1,080 go to 2,882. So that's a rise of 166.9%. But I now, thought we were reason, in a bear market. Well, but that's my point. The, so if you put away your $30 every single month, when the price is really high, you don't buy as many Bitcoin. But when the price falls, you buy more. So you're smoothing out. So, you know, this time last, well, it's about this time last year, Bitcoin's price had fallen considerably, then had a huge rally. But you were buying lots and lots of cheap Bitcoins in, in sort of March, April, May, June, July. So that come September, your average in price was substantially less than it was. So even, even this time last year, well, the, sorry, yeah, so about, yeah, about just over a year ago, Bitcoin had fallen quite a lot, and, but it was, it's now higher than it was then. So you've smoothed out that sort of volatility. So that's one way, if you think of putting money into a, rather than putting it all into one particular cryptocurrency at one time, looks as if you can drip feed it into those currencies. And again, sorry, that goes back to the PayPal argument, it's now going to be really, really easy if you've got a bit of cash on your PayPal account to say, oh, just can you move that bit of money into, you know, Ethereum or Bitcoin or, or whatever it may well, may well want to do. So so certainly we're a big believer of pound cost averaging. And there's a great site, um, D for Donald, C for Cat, A for Alpha, B for Bravo, T for Tango um, dot com. And you can go on there and you can put in um, whether you want to do ten dollars or five dollars a week, a month over you know a year or five years 10 years whatever you want to do and you can see what would have happened so thoroughly recommend for people to go and have a look at that site so that's dcabt um but there's a link in this week's digital bites um on that that could equally be sad right oh if i had done this in 18 oh no you know i, I don't know. i don't want to sound like a i'm not what you call a maxi you know those bitcoin maximalists Oh, uh, I'm not one of those. Maxi. We had a car called a Maxi in this country. I thought yeah. you'd have known that. We had a Dodge well, Maxi van back in the 80s. Oh, okay. We but Maxi means, like, I guess it means, you know, the the majority, the most, the maximum. Yeah. So these, the yeah. Bitcoin maximalists believe that Bitcoin is the only coin. You know, there's no need for Litecoin or Ethereum or Shiba yeah. Inu. So I agree with everything you're saying. I feel like, I feel like, referencing the fact that there's eighteen thousand cryptocurrencies, coin market cap, whatever that number is of what will be future failures, because let's be honest, right? There's going to be a few car crashes. Going to be a few. There's going to be a few bombs that go off. <laughs> that money is going to flow. That money is going to flow back into what we call that Bitcoin dominance chart, right? Yeah. So Bitcoin is holding like 46% dominance in the market. And as that number drops, they're saying, okay, you're feared that more people are holding Ethereum than they are Bitcoin. And then Bitcoin is no longer the number one. Now, what we were saying is I thought it was a bear market, right? People are like, it's a bear market. And it's a bear market based on the time span that you're looking Right, you could easily say the last five months is a bear market, but the last year is bull. The yeah. argument here is, um, what's my argument? When, <laughs> when the 
failed cryptos cash out and they go back into Bitcoin and your Bitcoin dominance re- goes back to maybe, let's say, over 50%, which has been a long time. Yep. That's has. going to make the price of Bitcoin go up, right? Because you've got more money, not even including the money you're talking about. I mean, PayPal, that's, that's a whole subject. But the money that already exists has to eventually come back into Bitcoin, in my opinion. I'm not so sure about that. No? I'm not so sure. No, I'm not so sure about that. I I I I, I don't see you know, look, Bitcoin has had a fantastic run, you know, without a doubt. And and you're absolutely right. If you go over, I don't know, it depends what your time time span is, um, in terms of how Zoom much money out, you could... right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, if you go over the last 24 hours, you're up 2%. Um, over the last two weeks, you're up 3%. Over the last year, you're down 9%. But you know, I think you've got to look at a slightly longer time period than that. Um, and, and you get the crazy situation where I, you know, Bitcoin has, has gone up, you know, was it 44,000% in almost nine years. So, you know, bear markets, you know, we're, we're, we're getting back to this whole thing about the and I suppose that's the main thing I, I want to get across to people, um, having been involved in the investment markets for years. Um, the price of any asset is really down to confidence. And if, if, if people are confident and feel that, you know, whether it's a picture or a stock or a bond or a car um, or a gemstone, if they're confident in that underlying asset, then it, it will maintain and probably appreciate in value. I'm not convinced that people will cash in other currencies, cryptocurrencies, and just buy Bitcoin simply because it's 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 been around longer or it's it's the biggest. Um, but what I do believe um, is still the dominance of Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin starts performing really well and goes up in value, and we've seen this time and time again, then other cryptocurrencies just seem to get pulled up by the general euphoria, and they just seem to go up in value um, alongside that. So yeah, the watermark where... the watermark rises with the tide, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like a bunch of boats sitting there in the in the harbour, and you know the the tide comes in, and the tide being Bitcoin, and all the boats float. And 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 likewise, we've seen a number of cryptocurrencies collapse in value in the last couple of weeks, simply because Bitcoin well, last couple of months now because Bitcoin prices has fallen. Um, but overall, I think that's a good thing. The fact that we've seen a bit of a shakeout um, in the price of Bitcoin, and if you look at longer term basis. You know, we saw in 2018 that the price of Bitcoin fall quite sharply. Um, we saw last year Bitcoin price fell sharply. Um, and, and that kind of shakes out and it gets rid of this notion that it's a one way bet. and We should cash in all our investments and just invest in crypto. That is it's just not the case. You know, maybe one or two percent um, will go and find their way into cryptocurrencies. But how do you spot a winning cryptocurrency? It's like, how do you spot a winning share? You know, both of us have worked in financial markets for years, James. And, you know, it's well, there was a famous article um, of a, a chimpanzee was given a dart and threw it at the Wall Street Journal. And, he, you know, he did it once a month, I think it is, for a couple of years. And actually his performance was as good, if not better than some of the most highly paid fund managers. On the Wall monkey Street. had a six percent. The bored ape had bored a six percent turnaround. <laughs> so. So, so, you know, the, the key is look, make sure you know what you're buying. Do your research. Um, and, and the other thing, look, if you're 
a lot of people don't i know this sounds weird but from my experience a lot of people don't take their own money very seriously um they just say oh i'll invest five or ten or twenty grand whatever it may well be but they don't say well if it goes up by if it doubles then the next week or the next year or 10 years well i'm then going to take some profits or it halves then i'm going to actually have a stop loss um or i'm going to tell the exchange or tell my broker if it, if the price hits this price on the up or the downside then i want to take some action accordingly so so have a plan have a strategy because that's what professional asset managers do they don't just leave it and hope and wait but what they have done is done a lot of research and and they will have a belief and those beliefs aren't always right you know they believe that bp is better than shell or shell's better than you know uh, you know conoco or whatever and and they've done their research based on the underlying team and management structure and that's the same with many many different investments you know cryptocurrencies you know make sure you've read the white paper you understand where do they fit in how does it work and, and when you hear people offering you oh yeah you can go yield farming and you know it's safe as leaving money in the bank and then you can earn 20 percent a year and thinking what in europe i'm earning minus money in the bank in the uk if i'm lucky earn sort of half a percent america it's about the same and you're telling me i can earn 10 20 percent if it's too good to be true it invariably is and and look what happened to terra luna's price it just fell off a cliff yeah there's a lot of tinfoil hat rumors as to why um but what i not to change the subject but i think this works we were talking about coin market cap and and the winning currencies right you know fun fact as of the last check coin market cap doesn't include nfts right so if you talk about that yeah that article an alternative way to raise capital if we're not even counting nfts as a cryptocurrency, what is that money? What is that money, or where is that money coming from or going to? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of money in the NFT market, which is nothing to do with crypto. That's that that's a fact, right? As it's, but it's weird, right? Because it's yeah, crypto. No, I, I to- totally get it. You know, but you think of the money that's you know that's um. You know, I mentioned it before, you know, the the Uffizi Gallery in Florence, where some le- American lady paid $175,000 straight off the bat for a digital image, an NFT of a Michelangelo painting. Well, that didn't come out of crypto. Or what about the 420 odd million that um, the UK Premier Football or you, sorry, you call it soccer. Um, you know, they're trying to raise, you know, that's that's coming from fans. That's that's probably not coming from crypto or, or the money that, you know, Gucci and Burberry and you know, um, Adidas and Nike, and they're selling their NFTs. And and it's, it, that's a whole, again, that's probably another soapbox, you know, what are NFTs? You know, where's that money? Where would that money have gone to? You know, Citigroup are talking about the metaverse is going to be worth eight to 13 trillion within the next five or six years. That's a, you know, the current market cap um, of the crypto market. What, what's the current market cap of the crypto market as we're talking it's 1.3 trillion so potentially you're talking about 10 times increase in the value of cryptocurrencies because at the end of the day the metaverse is probably where we're going to see a lot of crypto related digital assets being traded because i'll have a virtual pair of sneakers or i'll have a virtual ring or i'll have a virtual you know painting or a virtual song and you'll i'll be able to trade it and sell it well i can't do a physical one i've got to have a a digitized representation of that asset. So 
and and that probably may or may not be a crypto. It could well be an NFT, or it could be you know we've we had it before. There's a number of metaverse coins which are just being traded in the metaverse. Yeah, the metaverse. That's another. That's another conversation about maybe maybe a future subject is on ramps and off ramps. Are we talking about Eagle Knievel? Yes, I'm talking about the Long Island Expressway. <laughs> but how do we get you know the fiat on ramps in the crypto and the fiat off ramps like PayPal? So if NFTs are going to be directly paid for by like my debit card, and we're not including crypto in between there, there's no coin market cap website for even it. No, no. But, but James, but, but this is this is again the interesting thing. If you look at um, and, and I know we're going to touch on the, on this, this, you know, people ban the word around the infrastructure and the reason that um, we're seeing more interest. Um, and it's easier now to look. It's very easy to open up a PayPal account. And given the announcement today it's, it, or yesterday, it's very easy then to switch a bit of money from your dollars, euros, sterling from, you know, from your currency into a cryptocurrency. You know, go back two, three years ago, not much more than that. It was a nightmare to open up a digital wallet. Oh, yeah. The infrastructure just wasn't there. And we've got the infrastructure there. Um, and so the infrastructure for digital money, people like Visa, MasterCard, Square, PayPal, all of these companies um, are actually enabling you to transfer and use digital money. Now, arguably, the reason for that is that they're mindful that if we suddenly see um, you know, another major economy. We've already got it with the Chinese economy, second biggest economy in the world. They've got a digital currency. Well, as we've talked before, it's highly likely within a couple of years, we're going to see the US, Europe, um, Japan, you know, these economies bringing out their own central bank digital currencies or their own stable coins. Well, the on-off ramp there, you know, using, you know, Visa, MasterCard, et al., it'll be very easy to move money digitally. And, and a lot of those are using the same underlying technology of a cryptocurrency, it's a distributed ledger, blockchain technology, which is powering the, this, this move to digitization. So it's almost inevitable that's going to happen. And, and whilst it's been very difficult, it's going, to be, it's going to be very, very easy. And we won't even talk about it. As we've said before, you, you, don't, you don't say, what sort of Word document do you use on a Word? Word processors, how about that as a word? We don't talk about word processors. Oh, I understand wow. some people have still got photocopiers. Do you know anyone that's got a photocopier? I fought with my Xerox machine just earlier. <laughs> the Xerox machine needs to be cooled down by the Frigidaire. You haven't got one. Yeah, I bet you got one with a turn handle and you got carbon copy paper behind it. They call What did they call that? They called that a mimeograph? Mimeograph, yeah. Yeah, yeah for dittos. <laughs> Yeah, think about. I'm only 46 years old, and I remember getting <laughs> the school teacher handing you dittos. Dittos. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, sorry, we've we've digressed. But you know, the whole thing about picking a cryptocurrency, um, you know, do do some regular savings as a way to possibly get exposure. Have a strategy. Take your own money seriously. Don't just have a flutter. It's it's not like having a bet on a on a horse. Um, or maybe it is for you. Maybe you just want to say, well, I'm just going to have a gamble. You know, I'm going to put all my money on, you know, black's, black number six and black number six ha- happens to be Shiba Inu. And I'm just going to leave it and forget about it. Uh, and, and maybe that's the way it goes. Um, but, you know, this is a, this is 
you've got to bear in mind these things are volatile and yeah sure some of them are going to be produce amazing returns but a lot of them will will crash and burn probably a bit like um have you seen the new top fun top fun film yet i have not i have not but i intend to you know i intend to but it's, it's the sun right it's supposed to be his son is it oh i don't know <laughs> No, no, I thought I, that was a rumor I heard. Too much Grecian 2000. He, he, he looked younger now, 26 years later than he did then. Yeah, well, money thing. will buy you that, right? Oh, that's very cynical. I think it's hours in the gym and good, healthy living and carrots to keep so eating his greens, eating his greens. Yeah, yeah. So, well, talking of eating the greens, that was one of the articles we did. Um, and that was looking at how blockchain technology is being used in the agricultural sector. Oh, um, good food and uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to get food trust because I'm going to lose you. Well, but you know there are some. The one I did find quite interesting because I hadn't really come across it before. But there's a big um, European bank called Santander, um, and they've recently partnered partnered um, with an outfit called AgroToken, and it allows farmers to take out loans backed on the tokens that they've been given. And they get these tokens um, based by um, growing soybeans, corn and wheat. And they've created a little bit like a stable coin. But as you know, my, I've got a bit of a pet hate. I don't think we should call them stable coins. I think we should call them pegged coins. It's pegged to the dollar or the euro or the Swiss franc or the yen. Right. These ones are pegged to the value of soybeans or pegged if you're growing corn or wheat. And I thought that was an interesting example, not just what might happen, but um, they've created something called a proof of grain network. Proof of grain. Come on. Grain. Grain. G-R-A-I-N. Proof of grain. No, they didn't. Yeah. But the interesting thing was, is that it's not just dependent on one blockchain. You can use it on the Ethereum or Polygon or Algorand. So I think that's another example, another interesting development. People in the past picked a blockchain, developed their protocols and platforms around one blockchain. But here we've got an example of um, very big. Um, you've got a huge following. CyberDive have got, got, I think, 25, 30% of your listeners are in Latin America. Santander is a big um, you know, provider of financial services in, in Latin America. So this is relevant for your, a lot of your listeners. But they, they haven't picked one blockchain. They said, OK, we're going to make sure it's compatible on three different blockchains. So that's yeah, that's that's unusual off, off out of the bat, so to speak. Yeah, San Santander. That's what I always called them, Santander. They Santander. F- they financed my Jeep that I had gotten rid of for the BMW. I had Santander for the for the Jeep. Huh? Did you? Well, they get. I think it's part of Citigroup out here in America. Mm, well, they're two separate entities, but maybe they've got some sort of JV. They work hand in hand. Yeah, but. I the check I would write would be to Santander Consumer yeah. Finance. Yeah, I, I I think you've got to work on your Spanish accent, Santander. Sugato es muy grande. <laughs> Absolutely. Miguel over at Cyber uh-huh. FM Latino just teases me constantly. That's how he greets me. <laughs> Whenever we have like a staff meeting, and I know that we have an entire Cyber FM Latino group, and when we have staff meeting, Miguel will be like, "Oh, James is here. Sugato es muy grande." And I go, I get it. It's one of the few things I know how to say. Your what cat is very large. Oh, your cat is very large. You got a large cat. <laughs> Sugato es muy grande. Sugato. It's very oh, important wait. to remember, donde esta el baño? Where is the bathroom? 
<laughs> the only two things you need to survive in a country. Your cat is very large, and where is the bathroom? It was always good to say, Dothvetho. I don't know what that is. Two beers. Sounds like I've got a lisp, but Dothvetho means two beers, I think. In Spanish? But, yeah. It worked when fact I was check Spain. that. Yeah, well, you can have a look at that. Dos Echo. I thought right. it was Dos Equis. Dos Equis. No, what's a hecky? That's the guy who looks like Santa Claus. He was. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, it's Dos Equis. <laughs> yeah, well, we won't talk about the uh, the joke about the Yorkshireman you sent me last week either. E. Jack. Now you get us cancelled. Good. Good. All right, look. Um, so, yeah, there's so a couple of other articles. We haven't got time to go now, but. Um, we better go because coming after the break, um, we got, as I say, Helen Disney from the Realization Group. Um, and um, she's written a, an article in um, this week's Digital Bytes entitled, If Banks Are From Mars and Cryptocurrency and Blockchain Are From Venus. So we'll be listening, we'll be talking to Helen after the break. But uh, thank you for tuning in to this week's Digital Bytes. And don't forget, as ever, if you would like a, a physical hard copy, then just contact James. Tyler at Cyber.fm or myself, Johnny Fry. We're both on LinkedIn and we'll happily wing over a copy to you. Um, and James, you're working on my website. So you, you, we should be able to give people a website address very soon and they can click on there and request a copy. It is coming along. It's coming along. Like Casey Jones, Stephen and Rowling. Yeah, I do oh, all the hard oh. labor in this relationship. So. You do all the Put up a lifting. website. Sell a coin. Yeah, do a website. Come hey, on. you should write an article. Let's do a yeah. soapbox. <laughs> Don't forget to drive 500 miles and meet me in September. There's only I so forgot, much I could do. I forgot to say, I've, every week I'd write this for you and talk about it, and all I get is just you saying, no, I'll, it'll be done next week. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. Manana. 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 Right, come on. We better we better better crack off now, and um, we've got Helen after the break. If you so zoom out on our chart, we've made a lot of progress. Absolutely, absolutely. Free money radio cyber fm. Hey everybody, James Tiley, Johnny Fry, and gang, we're all back with Team Blockchain, talking about this week's newsletter. Hey, that came out real hard with New York, huh? We're talking about it. How you doing? We're talking about the newsletter. And it turns out it's a small world after all, because Helen Disney, who uh, was once on with our friend Pierre, because of your older show, Johnny, and now she's back from this week's newsletter with her article, right? She's back, and and Helen from from Disney. It's kind of a bit of an after the world experience this week because you know it's Helen Disney, nothing to do with the virtual world of Disney and Cinderella and Pluto. And that sort of stuff. But she's written an article from about Mars and the galaxies and crypto. And some people, you know, wish wish crypto, you know, had gone out of the had gone out of the sort of superstar or that into space. Given what's happened to the collapse of it recently, so we're um, but we're down to earth with Helen. Really pleased, Helen, you've um, come back on the show. I, I think it's a, a well over a year ago since we last had you, um, and you've joined the Realization Group. You're one of the directors there, um, and written. If banks are from Mars, then cryptocurrency and blockchain are from Venus. And presumably what the idea came from that from John Gray's book, sort of men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Is that right? Indeed. I mean, I guess people more often talk about the moon when we talk about crypto, you know, and uh, tokens going to the moon. But I thought that actually what's quite interesting is how 
I've been involved in this space now since 2014. And originally, it was very much, you know, about Bitcoin before all of the other altcoins came along. And it was about disintermediation. It was about creating a financial system that was completely separate and, um, you know, divorced from the traditional finance world. But what we're actually seeing now is is a kind of unwinding of some of that scepticism and a realisation from the traditional finance world that actually there are many elements of blockchain and digital assets that can be extremely useful to integrate into what they're doing. And also a realisation from the crypto and blockchain companies that potentially those traditional financial institutions are customers and, you know, are a valuable um additions to their world. So I think we're starting to see, you know, what we're calling the era of convergence, which is this blending between, you know, some of the benefits of the decentralized finance world into the traditional finance world. Um, and the two, rather than sort of one destroying the other, a bit like, you know, video didn't kill the radio star. I don't think that crypto and blockchain are going to destroy traditional finance. I think they are changing the way it works. And equally, I think that blockchain and crypto companies are starting to realize that they can have something in some circumstances to gain from getting involved in the institutional side. Okay, because it wasn't that long ago that Neil Diamond's, and it wasn't Neil Diamond's dad, it's Jamie Diamond, it's different spelling, isn't it? Jamie Diamond. um, He said that um, Bitcoin was a fraud and it's all going to blow up. Um, Yet then he, you know, JP Morgan, they've got the JP coin, they've got... Um, the link platform, um, which they've managed now to get, what, 300, nearly 400 banks to use this blockchain-based platform to exchange data. And it seems that, as you say, some of these cryptos have gone from don't want to touch them with a barge pole, you know, sort of, um, you know, James's former days, he knows a few things about dodgy Wall Street characters. Um, And we've now got some of those Wall Street firms and some of the firms in the city and of in the UK, in London, and actually many different global centres are, are using certainly the technology behind cryptocurrencies, um, and we're seeing a whole range of different applications. Yes, I think there's a few different aspects to it. I mean, one is simply recognition that actually cryptocurrencies are a valid asset class. You know, Bitcoin's been around for over a decade, and despite the fact that it's been sort of claimed to be dead, I don't know how many times now, probably at least into 30 or 40 times, it's still going and it still hasn't been hacked and it, it's still, you know, a store of value and a, a useful alternative investment. And it's something that particularly during the pandemic, you know, last year we saw a huge kind of um, bump in investments into cryptocurrencies and into DeFi as well as people wanted to diversify and, and sort of spread their risk. But then there's also obviously the use of blockchain more broadly in terms of an underlying technology that can facilitate, you know, different types of innovations and applications so um you know you mentioned jp morgan but i mean morgan stanley was very similar um you know yeah, they were they originally said you know that they they thought bitcoin was essentially worthless um i think around around 2017 and then you know last year suddenly they were offering um you know their kind of high rolling clients access to bitcoin funds so um you know similarly goldman sachs is one of the leading investors into the stablecoin USDC, which is Circle's stablecoin. So, um, you know, we've got a real change in mood, I think. And certainly we see with our clients that there's a real shift. So we work with a, a US investment bank that's just launched a digital asset division, Cowan Digital. Um, 
they're not only doing spot trading and custody of digital assets. I think they're listing around 16 tokens at the moment, including Bitcoin and Ethereum and some other layer one tokens. But they're also exploring investments into the space. So, you know, it's probably still a small segment of what they do, but it's definitely, you know, one of the first Wall Street banks to make that move. Okay, but so, so what do you think has encouraged, um, you know, the these, you know, this one of your clients like this, a, a well-established Wall Street bank? What, what do you think is act as the, the the point of inflection? What, why, why now? What, what, what do they think they're hoping to get out of it? Um, I think there's a few elements. One is increasing demand from institutional clients wanting access to this asset class, so they're, they're simply feeding that client demand. You know, the, the investors themselves now realise. This is not just a flash in the pan. It's been around long enough and people are making enough money and and good returns from it that I want to have exposure to that. But I need exposure to it in a way that's compliant and that's sort of institutional grade custody. And some of that infrastructure wasn't there before, whereas now it is. There are far more institutional grade custodians. There's a lot more um, ability. I mean, certainly, um, you know, in Karen's case, they have this kind of high touch service that they offer their clients and you know some of the other crypto native firms don't really do that they might serve institutional clients but they don't really have the level of customer service so right you know Cowan and, and others are trying to fill that gap with something that institutional customers are more comfortable with um but i think there's also the realization that you know the tokenization of everything is coming you know we've got cryptocurrencies which is you know one form of using digital assets but we've also got potentially the tokenization of securities of bonds of other financial instruments um and that is only going to grow um and obviously we've seen the huge kind of furore around nfts um and i think it's it's similar to if you think about the us and the big kind of families and companies that built you know the the roads and the railways and the the infrastructure or you know in, in britain you might say the victorian era you know where we had the viaducts and all of the kind of infrastructure that was built. Um, You know, this is the infrastructure of the next generation of the internet and those large organisations in the same way that they wanted to be in on the tech companies, the sort of Googles and and Metas and Twitters and others that came along. And if if they didn't invest in those, they probably underperformed the market. Now they want to be invested in the next generation of, of tech companies, which is the blockchain and crypto companies that are building the new business models of the future. Right. So, so this this is what you mean, then, when you talk about at the very end of your article, you said the era of convergence has arrived. So this, these are well-established, traditional, highly regulated asset management um, and all financial services companies. And they're not suddenly, you know, it's not like a, a, on the road to Damascus. They suddenly say, oh, my goodness, we're throwing away all that nonsense and we're going to just go completely um, digitized. They're, they're, they're converging and they're, they try to take the best bits of traditional finance but getting exposed into this new sort of tokenized, digitized aspects then? Yeah, I think it's wanting to have a bit of both. I mean, certainly, you know, for the investment banks, prime brokerage customers would like to sort of just smoothly and seamlessly transfer over to being able to, um, you know, use digital assets as well as traditional ones. Um, and that's a sort of an easy win. Um, but more than that, I think it's, you know, convergence is, is, in my mind, two things. One is the fact that the traditional finance world and the, the decentralized finance world, and within that, I don't just mean DeFi, but I mean all of the aspects of, of crypto and blockchain and the associated innovation that's come from it. Um, you know, those are coming together in different ways. 
um, whether it's you know an asset manager launching purely to serve the digital asset market or or whether it's kind of people creating custodial networks so that they can facilitate the fact that these institutions will potentially need to have lots of different custodian relationships because there are different custodians for different parts of the crypto marketplace and so that all needs to be brought together in a way that's simplified for an institutional customer you know so there are those aspects and then the other aspect is the fact that um, convergence is a sort of a term actually that came really from outlier ventures created an investment thesis they're a a vc that invests in blockchain and and cryptocurrency companies Um, and they talked about this a few years back which was that all these technologies are advancing at the same time so it's not just blockchain blockchain is an underpinning sort of database if you like for keeping track of transactions but you can now combine that with tokenization with potentially um you know the internet of things in order to be able to track supply chains you can combine it with ai tools to analyze the data so these different frontier technologies are all combining to produce all kinds of new opportunities um, and so that creates a whole wave of job creation, of investment opportunities. Um, and, you know, really for the, the investors and the, the financial markets, that's something that needs to be addressed and looked at. Because, as I said, you know, if you hadn't invested in some of the kind of dot-com boom um, companies, I mean, not not the sort of ones that we think of that famously failed, but, you know, the big names that have become the, you know, the kind of tech fins, um, then you would have underperformed the market. And I think the same will be true of those that don't invest in blockchain protocols or don't invest in some of the, you know, more interesting products that are taking off in the metaverse and things like that. There's so many opportunities and it's really only starting to open up now that, that the, the banks and others are taking that seriously. And it's, it's amazing how just on that, the, the amount of money that's being raised um, in the sort of private in VC world to, um, I think it was Andrew Houtson came out the other other week that they raised 4.6 million off the bat to invest in just the very things that you're talking about. Um, you know, just one fund. You think, wow, that's that's a that's a feral chunk of money to to be put into. It's still a fairly specialist area, but I I, I, I really helpful in your article. You've given a hyperlink to the convergence ecosystem that you talked about with um, that Outline Ventures did, and um, thoroughly recommend. Uh, listeners to um, get get a co- get a hold of a copy of that it's just very interesting read and bearing in mind this was written a couple of years ago because a lot of what they've said um, has come to fruition but but you also um, pointed out that a number of the sort of traditional wall street banks whilst they're opening as their sort of digital divisions um, some of the um, you know traditional wall street guys and guys and ladies are jumping ship and getting into sort of the new sort of DeFi, the new digital world as well, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of stories of that nature recently. In the past, it was sort of a huge phenomenon when somebody jumped ship from a traditional financial company and went into blockchain and crypto. And I mean, this even happened to me, not that I was in traditional finance, but I had a previous career in public policy and as a journalist. And people said to me, you know, back in 2014, why on earth have you given up your perfectly successful and sensible career to go over into that kind of crazy crypto world, um, you know, full of sort of money launderers and drug dealers and other nefarious kind of crazy characters. Nobody it's says that now. You know, you... Why did you do it, Helen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll come on to that. But um, 
nobody says that now because these things have become legitimate. No one sort of bats an eyelid anymore when you say crypto and blockchain, even people who are not involved in, in that world. And for me, the reason I did jump ship into it is because I could already see even back, you know, eight years ago um, that something really profound was happening. Um, I think the whole concept of Bitcoin is so revolutionary in terms of being able to have online trust and being able to have peer to peer transactions and cut out the middleman. Um, but more than that, the underlying technology of blockchain and distributed ledger technologies would transform so many different industries. And, and this is something I talked about a lot in the past through my platform Unblocked, which I created to, to educate people on this. You know, you can change the way you do healthcare, you can change supply chains, you can change, you know, the creative industries, you can change all sorts of um, other sectors, not just the financial sector, using these technologies. So for me, I felt it was a, a growing movement that was coming um, and could be driven from the bottom up, not necessarily by government policy and waiting for things to change, but by entrepreneurship and innovation and, and the movement of people who just wanted to create a different way of doing things. Yeah, you know, well, ab absolutely. Well, look, look, um, James, um, you've been very quiet this afternoon. Um, have you been thinking of suitable Disney themed songs that you'll be playing in, in uh, after the show? Oh, Disney's like the most controversial thing nowadays. Right? Remember when Disney was like for children? Now yeah. it's all about, ooh, I don't know, be careful, they have views. <laughs> I was I was thinking uh she was talking about convergence and, and traditional finance. One not to shill, right? But that's how Cyber FM started. You know, we were we, we were a bunch of radio guys that were also on Wall Street and now when crypto became a little bit more mainstream we were like, why don't, if we're fintech professionals in radio, why don't we merge these two, right? So yeah. what, what, we're the only ones still doing it to, in reality to this day. So we were like, why, why not? It made sense. And then she, she went on and it made me think of, uh, do you ever watch the show Billions on Showtime? Yes. Yeah. So I was just watching episode... I want to say nine seasons. I'm a big fan. And I, honestly, I'm a big fan because of all the Bloomberg terminals. I'm like, wow, they haven't changed. So um, I was watching Billions on, on Showtime. And the one character, Taylor, was having dinner with McPhee. And she said, what did you ever do with that million in crypto that, that uh, what's his name, gave you? Axe, you know, Axe, Axe gave you a million dollars of crypto. Would you? He goes, I just put it in a drawer. I don't want to look at it. She goes, are you crazy? It would 15, 20x by now. That's a million. You're sitting on $20 million in your drawer. And he said, listen, if I, if I stare at my crypto, I'm going to become that guy that becomes obsessed with crypto. I'm going to become obsessed with how to manipulate it. And I'm going to become obsessed with how to get the most out of that increase he goes that'll become my life and i don't want to be that guy so i just put the crypto away and i'll focus on my funds and my mind you know the, the way he says it in the episode it, it was like you had the one person going are you out of your mind this is crypto yeah. and you had the other guy going yeah i know it's probably 20 million dollars now that he gave me but i can't you know it can't be my life 
And I, and I said, how many people are sitting at a table right now having that conversation? Right, it's, I bet there's a lot more wishing they'd put a million in it. Maybe not a million, you. right? But but you know, you <laughs> bought Doge when, so it's becoming dinner table conversation, and and shows about financial technology and and trading are now just incorporating, not so much that you know, ooh, so and so, you know, Deadpool reference Litecoin. We all had a heart attack, but now. A guy sitting in front of a Bloomberg terminal eating lunch and they're arguing about crypto for the regular world to watch. That's when she was talking about convergence and I started going the mainstream adoption route in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I think Helen's absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Helen. You know, you were seeing this convergence um, and yeah, really just really helpful. Your article, I thought, was just as a sort of step back. Um, and look at some of the information you sort of cited with, you know, the Fed, the Fed study, you know, the stuff from, um, you know, Fidelity Asset Management pointing out institutional interest. Um, and I, I know your firm's involved in a number of different financial services companies. And uh, and James, look at the number of different companies, mainly regulated that we get come on the show. And, you know, they're, they're all looking at ways to actually, you know, further their involvement in this sector. So, um, but I think it, the journey's just begun. There, I think there's lots, lots more, and there's lots of things which we haven't even thought about, which will which will end up being tokenized, digitized, and cryptoized, if that's the right thing, or NFTized, or metaversed, or whatever it's going to be. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing is, that, you know, mainstream adoption. I mean, there's there's retail mainstream adoption, which has been growing for for a long time, and and sometimes I sort of use cultural shows as a barometer for that. Like you say, you mentioned billions. You know, I remember getting really overexcited when I think it was in the same week that Bitcoin was mentioned in the good fight and also in neighbors. <laughs> I thought, okay, now we're Bitcoin's really going mainstream if it's getting mentioned in these kind of shows. Um, but you know, the, the, the broader point about the institutions, I think is that it's been mentioned for some years now, this is going to be the year that the institutions are really going to get involved in crypto. This is the, you know, and this is going to be sort of the signal that, you know, the market is really going to take off. Um, and, you know, security tokens a couple of years ago, that was supposed to be the time when, you know, the institutions were really going to seriously get involved. And then there was sort of a and, you know, it didn't really happen, partly because the legal underpinning wasn't there for that in many countries. Um, but I do think that now there is a fundamental shift. I don't know whether it's because of the pandemic um, that people just tried out these investments and sort of realised, OK, it's not as complicated or difficult as I thought. And actually, I can make good returns or whether it's that because of two years of lockdown, technologists had enough time to really build some of the market infrastructure that was missing. Um, but for whatever reason, probably a combination of all those reasons, you know, people are really starting to now, I think, take this more seriously on the institutional side, not just on the retail side. And I certainly used to go out and get um, my evenings derailed by explaining to people, you know, what was Bitcoin, what was blockchain. And now it's sort of the other way around. People kind of, you know, mansplain to me what cryptocurrency is and I have to just sit there and listen. Um, but I, I take that to be a good thing because it means that just far more people are getting interested in this decentralized world. Um, and, you know, that was what it was all about for me, really, was just hoping that other people would take this on board. Brilliant. OK. Well, look, thank, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, and uh, James, that's, that's, that's another week. Um, been good to chat to you um, and Helen this week. Um, I know next week um, we've got another, another guest lined up um, and another edition, obviously, Digital Bytes. 
if anyone would like a, a hard copy, then obviously you can contact James at cyber.fm um, or myself, Johnny Fry. Both of us are on LinkedIn. Um, and we'll be back on the airways next week, James. Hey, did we plug? Did we... Oh, no. Helen, how's the best way to get hold of you or the Realisation Group? LinkedIn or? So, yes, I am on LinkedIn. Um, or you can go to the Realisation Group, which is Realisation with a Z, realisationgroup.com for our website. Um, we also do have our own podcast called Financial Markets Insights, where we talk about some of these issues um so if you want to listen to another podcast or another show then um, you can find that there as well fantastic okay so that's helen disney on linkedin or the realization group um they've got a website and um please go on there have a look at what they're doing and because i say got some really interesting clients based um in europe and also in the us that they're helping um with the, with that era of conversion i t- typically traditional um, regulated companies that are getting involved in this space so um hence the the the, the um the article today so so thank, thanks helen that's re- really good um and thank you james i i feel much better knowing that the realization group has a z in its name it's very american z, not z you drive me crazy with the s's and all your words we got the real i'm gonna go to the realization group's website just to support the z yeah they got a z you i thought you'd like that did you spot their z not the z not the S. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm glad we made you happy, and thanks very much for having me on the show. Uh, delighted to have you. Okay. Thanks, then, James. <laughs>